we're recording. Um, so I do want to take a minute and pray. I'm there, I know um, Rebecca has a prayer request and I have a prayer request, and both of them are going to be unspoken, though um, I would be willing to talk about them off of the recording. Um, anything anybody would like, it can be an unspoken. If you want prayer, just indicate. Otherwise, if you'd like to share what it is, I just read. Yeah, okay. Okay. Trying to go oh, that's your prayer So, Lord, we just lift these things up for you for health. Um, Rebecca, myself, even, even Amy, Lord, we just ask that you would put your hand of healing on us. We pray for um, the finances and everything to come together for Marie to be able to see her mother. Um, trips like that, especially when you have family and, and need to get places. It's just, it can be complicated and everything has to align. So we pray that she would be able to, to organize that and it would all fall together. I just ask you to be with all of us who are here, everyone who's not here today, that you would bless us, bless, us, bless them, um, put your hand of protection on all of us and guide us through this coming week. In Yeshua's name, amen. So um, I realize we don't usually record our prayers, and I don't want people to think that like, all we do is sit and talk about <laughs> the text. You know, there's, there's uh, definitely, definitely lots of praying go, that goes on. And um, like I said, the, this week I, I said I'll talk about what the actual health issue is, but this week has just been very challenging for me. So um, I'm very grateful that I got this up and I'm here. <laughs> So Deuteronomy 17 is where we are now. Um, what did we talk about? Do you remember what we talked about at the end of the last week? I should know this, but it's been a very I long know. week. <laughs> I know we've been, we've been going through and talking about the different commands and stuff. And um, I know we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we talked about you know, if there's a prophet and what they tell you comes true. But then yeah. they, was that last week? Then they tell you to go worship, you know. You know, they, they prophesy and it's accurate, and then they tell you, so come with me and worship this strange God. You're supposed yeah. to, like, kill them immediately. And if you find out there's a town where these people are allowed to live and the town is going and worshiping other gods, that the other communities around them are supposed to go and burn the whole town to the ground, and wow. they, they are not supposed to allow that to spread yeah. at all. Um so Deuteronomy 17. I there was some there was some other thing. I'll have to look yeah, it up. There's some say, good stuff lab, that we talked yeah. about. There's more. And mm -hmm. let me see. Let me see if I, I can find. Think. Um, I'm gonna look up. Because there was something specific and I just can't seem to think of it right at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> She's off. It won't come to me. <laughs> I know, I know. Maybe somebody could actually grab a Bible if I have to look it up on my thing. Yeah, I'm going to be all lost. There's like an old school Bible. I will <laughs> flip to it. Uh, There's always the foot. I know, the foot and the face and the house. Funny. I have to blink it. it over her. She's like, no, no I don't no, want that. No. Mine all have the foot. Oh wait, here I do. Okay, I found Somebody my Universal like Bible. Upside that down, that might work. On my face. Okay, sixteen. We're going to go after sixteen, right? Yeah, she monkeyed. Yeah, oh, she was a monkey. No, yeah, Deuteronomy sixteen. She yeah. also had her. Okay. Like jabbing into my skin. 
Oh, it talked about Passover. Oh, they they talked about the timing, the timing of the of Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles. And then it was they talked about appointing judges, which we saw. You know, we've been reading about. <laughs> and then there's the worshiping other gods. Um, and in 15, oh, we talked about the year of canceling debts. That's what it was. That's what I was oh, trying to think yes. of. That every seven years yes. you're supposed to cancel all debts anybody has to you. And that you you are. Company would think that. Yeah. Well, technically by law that you, you can do I that. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest going into debts that are, you know, supposed to be for longer than that. Because this was specifically, you know, they all knew this was coming. But it was interesting because it said, if somebody around you is in need and you have the means to help them, you are obligated to help them. And you may not hold back, even if you're within a year before that seventh year, just because you know you won't get repaid. So, so there, it was definitely a, and he talks about, he, you know, God says there will, there will always be needy, and therefore you always need to be charitable. And... You know, and, and we need to be able to do... So when, when Yeshua said, you know, the poor will always be among you, he wasn't discounting this. He wasn't saying, um, you know, no, we shouldn't take care of the poor. But the people, you know, the, the disciples that were saying that, especially Judah, who we know was... Uh, Judas, who we know was stealing money, yeah. was he knew Judas's heart. So Judas was saying, we shouldn't spend this money. We should use it to feed the poor. This amount of money could feed so many poor... And because Yeshua knew his heart, he was responding back to him, the poor will always be among us. Mm-hmm. You know, and basically was calling him on the carpet for not taking care of the poor himself. You know, he was, he was saying, this, don't try and make it sound like me not doing what I'm supposed to be doing will be hindering caring for the poor. Right. That's, you know, you're not going to solve all the poor with this money and your own money could go a long way to do it. Um, so, so it was you know, canceling and then canceling the debt. So that, that's what I was thinking of. So, so he's talked about don't worship God, don't worship other gods and don't worship God the way of the other gods. And so now we're going to go a little more into that. In verse 1 he says, You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep in which is a blemish, any defect, whatever, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. If there is found among you within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, a man or a woman that does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God in transgressing his covenant and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, or the sun or the moon or any of the host of heaven, which I have forbidden, and it is told you and you hear of it, then you shall inquire diligently, and if it is true and certain that such an abomination has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out to your gates that man or woman who has done this evil thing, and you shall stone that man or woman to death with stones. Okay, and I just have to tell you guys this keep thinking this every week. I actually, the, the different letters that are in there are where I'm pulling the text from. It's, it links to footnotes. Mm-hmm. And I really try and get all of them out. And you can tell how good a week I was having by how many I miss. <laughs> I was clearly not having a very good week when I did this. Because mm-hmm. there's about eight in there. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it starts up at K. K is right by the two. Just this one slide. We just got all, yeah, apparently I just didn't edit this slide. I missed it completely. Oh, by the way, speaking of the stoning, I've heard now, remember the Westboro, where West Baptist Church? Yeah. The, the, uh, 
he was to protest all the gays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Okay. Well, now that he's passed, now there's another pastor in New York who wants to get everybody together and start stoning the gays. Nice. Wow. Yeah, he, he wants nice. to take over leadership now. Oh, good for him. Yeah, that'll go over well. Oh, my well. God. Yeah, that will take that will take it from bad form and bad social etiquette and everybody hates you to you're going to prison. Yeah, because yeah. now, now it's going to be assault. Then, you know, one now time he's gone, yeah. he's gone and wiped off. Yeah, oh my I mean, God. He'll, he'll try to do it in the name of religion, but everybody else is He passed away assault. like two weeks ago. Who passed away? I think he, he was ill. Or? No. He was ill, yeah. Yeah. Old and pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Old and angry will always do you in. Old and infested. Yeah. So apparently that someone was, I, I read something that said he had actually been trying to uh, get the church to tone down yeah, he, what they were doing, and it was one of the board members who was adamantly opposed to that and was behind well, all of the... Well, now his family is trying to do the same thing. Yeah. They, they, they kicked him out of the church. Yeah. yeah oh, they, before yeah. he died? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, Yeah. So, so, but notice that this is for stoning for worshiping other gods. Mm-hmm. So verse six, on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses, the one who is to die shall be put to death. A person shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. And why is that? Because one person could be lying. Because have... two and three people never get together. And lie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well... The it was really fascinating because the the things that the things that they that was why they got appointed a defense attorney to point you know to challenge the witnesses the witnesses could be disqualified from being witnesses and if you disqualified like if you could show um, these two people hang out together and they've had a ten year feud with this person and therefore their testimony should not be included, they would get discounted as witnesses, and if that left only one person, then the person went free, which is, you know, why a lot of people say, oh, you know, Yeshua is just throwing, you know, he was totally knocking down that, their, their court system, knocking down their stoning system. No, when, when that woman, the woman caught in adultery was brought to Yeshua, he was actually functioning as her defense attorney, and he discounted all of the witnesses because of their own sins. They became unqualified to witness, be witnesses against her. And he let her go. And, and so, and there were all sorts of things like the jury couldn't, or the, yeah, the jury, the Sanhedrin could not be uh, unanimous. Really? If it was unanimous, then it was assumed that there was bribery, bribery going on. Wow. So it had to be a majority vote, but not unanimous. Uh, so, I mean, there were all sorts of, there, you know, because, yeah, obviously two or three people can, can, get together and lie, obviously, because I would know nothing about that. Uh, obviously, two or more people. <laughs> now, there's been some doozies said about me this week. I'm like, really? Oh, wow. That's almost comical, except you're actually saying that. Um, but, but those people then would have to be qualified witnesses. So they would, you know, and they would have to be post, you know, they, they would have to have witnessed it or, or warned them, you know, so it's, it was very much more complicated than it kind of seems on a on a reading because they didn't want that to happen. But but the point really being just one person is never going to be able to cause someone to be put to death. You know, so if you have a personal grudge against someone, you don't get to come. And and in fact, the command to not bear false witness was understood to include if you are the only person with a gripe, you don't get to bring it. 
Just because you have a personality clash with somebody doesn't mean you but get you know, to charge them. At the same them. time that they have the system, it can also backfire because, you know, what if I just witnessed you murder somebody? I'm the only one that saw that, but yet you murdered. But I, I can't be the only witness, so you got away with murder. Yeah. Somewhat, except that um, when it talks about grabbing them immediately, if you witness me murdering somebody and you grab me and hold me and there's a dead body there, people can testify to seeing the dead body. And well, that would be another witness, but circumstantially. But grab then, someone and grab the witness. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's yeah. what I was just about to say. I, but what if you murdered that person and grabbed the sure, witness? I'm pretty sure that... nefarious. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that... Very rarely do people surprise me, and I'm pretty sure that in a, in a community, people know who's who and what's what, and, um, and you know, if, if, you, if it is an accident, or, or at the moment somebody dies, you do get the right to take off and go to the, the city of refuge, right. and, and then there's an evidence-finding you know, examination, and then if there's enough to hold you to trial, you get to come back. Now, I would bet if you go off there and there isn't necessarily enough evidence, but everybody knows you did it, you should probably just stay in that city of refuge for a yeah. very, very, very long time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and in which case, you're out of the community, and you're in an area where the Levites are running it. It was probably a much higher standard of behavior based on their expectation that everybody will, you know. I mean, Clearly, as we go forward in the history of it, most of these things didn't happen and lots of bad stuff was going on. So, I mean, it's not a perfect system. But, <laughs> but, but the intent being, you know, one person can't just bring charges because they, they've got a hair up them and, you know, they're wanting to, to take you out of power. Yes. So the, band of, or the hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death and afterward the hand of all the people. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. If any case arises requiring decision between one kind of homicide and another, one kind of legal right and another, or one kind of assault and another, any case within your towns that is too difficult for you, then you shall arise and go up to the place that the Lord your God will choose, and you shall come to the Levitical priests and to the judge who is in office in those days, and you shall consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision." The Supreme Court. Yep. Yes. So if you if you all can't figure it out within your town, take it up to the next level. Then you shall do according to what they decide to you, uh, declare to you from that place that the Lord will choose, and you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you, according to the instructions that they give you, and according to the decisions with which they pronounce to you. You shall do. You shall not turn aside from the verdict that they declare to you, either to the right hand or to the left. The man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God, or the judge, that man shall die. Mm. So you shall purge the evil from Israel, and all the people shall hear and fear and not act presumptuously again. When you come to the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me. Okay, so we know what's going to happen when they get there, and he tries to tell them, you don't really want to do this, you know, but he says, when you get there, you're going to want a king. I know this. When that day comes, he says, you may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. 
You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself. If we see any, you know, if we're already seeing downfalls of all the many, many, many wives of Solomon, it's like God knew that was going to happen, huh? So he's saying when you get a king, he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, which is what happens. Nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver or gold. And Solomon's temple, as amazing and beautiful and expensive as it was, his palace was doubly so on all counts. Well, did you hear um, for the Pope already uh, out of power, one of the bishops? For that very reason? Yeah. I didn't hear that, but I know, I know I really, really, really like a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing yeah, well, from him on this, this regard. The bishop declared, you know, the renovations necessary for his house was $42 million. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Pope had other things to say about him. I, I would think so. <laughs> Especially oh, since they're already mad 17. he won't wear their $18,000 yeah. shoes or something. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm good. And there's he's a the lot of... South American Pope, though, yeah. too. There's a lot I like about him. Yeah. And the more people get upset, the more I go, I don't understand really why you're upset. I'm, I'm liking this. Yeah, we're getting ready to start 18. 18 yeah, we're at the beginning of 18. So the Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord, which would be the equivalent of that, that bishop. You know, you're not supposed to be. Well, all right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the money's not yours. So they shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people. From those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoulder, cheese, and stomach. Yummy. They ate it. Yeah, that was the part that right? the, went to the priest to eat. Or cheeks, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would bet the, the, the hiney cheeks, because I don't know that there's a lot of yeah, good right. eats in there. It's like the cheeks it's or the butt. The yeah, I'm yeah. thinking that's probably the, the butt cheeks. Yeah. That's the ham. Yeah. That's right. Well, most a lot of cultures do. Yeah, a lot of cultures do. And they the, the lining of the intestines is what sausages are made out of. Yeah, they make it like haggis and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Haggis. So, and if a leaf... <laughs> the first fruits of your grain you guys are funny so eat all of that and then four they also get the first fruits of your grain of your wine and of your oil and the first fleece of your sheep you shall give him for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord him and his sons for all time and if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives and he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord will choose, and ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. So in other words, if you've got a Levite living among you and he decides, I'm going to go serve at the temple, he can, you know, sell, you know, he can get rid of whatever he has as personal possessions, he can go serve there and he immediately gets brought in and an equal portion goes to him. 
There, there's no, you know, no, you don't get to come, or, you know, oh, you're coming right before the big sacrifice. I know what you're thinking. You know, no, you get to. <laughs> you come in and you get your equal portion. Now, when you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Things you think would not need to be said. And yet they not only need to be said, but they weren't listened to. Yeah, I couldn't do it. They'd be like, now, Tonya, throw your child, throw my what? Yeah, yeah, throw. You mean, oh, kid, I get it. Honey, bring the goat. Yes, right. right. (laughs) Barbecue tonight. Oh, you mean my real kid? No. No. No, I did not carry this thing yeah. for nine months. I couldn't imagine being okay with that. Fire. Yeah. Just to be, here you go. Yeah. Think about the level of depravity. Think about the level of depravity that would have to be going on in yeah. your mind and your soul yeah. to, to do that. To bring your child to say, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to people who've gotten out of it, and they do. It's, yeah. They burn. Just people who were raised in satanic churches and stuff. I mean, it's it's obviously not a big, big, uh, giant, you know, conspiracy underground. But there are people who, yeah, who do that, embrace that. In our anthropology class, we did a whole thing on infanticide and all of that. Yeah. And how there's there's tribes in in like way out India. They're they're like we've never had raised females. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it definitely it definitely has to be for like thousands of years. Well, how do they get make more people? Well, they like they take females from other communities. From other communities, they will go and get wives, but they don't raise daughters. Yeah. So when you have a daughter, they sacrifice it. They they don't sacrifice. They they just kill it. They just let it die. They let it die. It's it's but it's it's actually like. Still a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah. It's it's very fascinating and because that was that one particular one was in India, but this happens all over the world. There's you one of the things, and and we see this both we see this both in the in the command to put to death anyone who turns on his parents and attacks them, and here anyone who is so detached from their children that they sacrifice them. God is very much putting out a. a a command regarding the value of human life, the value of family, the, the, the way that you're supposed to think of those around you because there's a level of detachment that you have to have to be able to just, you know, put your child outside the edge of town and let him die. Yeah. And, you know, there, there, there were, even at this time, there, you know, what, what happened with Moses wasn't a, a unique phenomenon because there, there was this idea that um, that just because God, whether it be you know a, a Hebrew person thinking the God of Israel or whatever community that you're in, just because God shows you to be the vessel through whom this child will come into the world, it didn't necessarily mean that you were supposed to be the one to raise it. And so there was a practice of putting children in some kind of a basket or something and setting them out next to the road and trusting that if God really had this child come into the world for a reason, that the person who was supposed to raise them would pick them up. You know, which is kind of a rudimentary adoption system. And, and it's, you know, so it's, it's not necessarily to say that, that um, you know, you, 
you can't make other arrangements for your child, or that you can't say, I am in no position to be raising this child and somebody else is going to need to do it. But there is a, a huge moral, spiritual gap between putting the child out, and in a community where everyone is aware of this, where someone seeing the basket would go, you know, would, would be moved to pick it up and take it home, and throwing your child into the fire to sacrifice them. You know, I mean, there, there's, it's like worlds apart. It's, it's not even in the same, you know, in the same ballpark. And so, you know, whether it be, I mean, in a community where nobody's going to pick up the daughter, <laughs> that's one thing, you know, where, where you know that your actions are guaranteed to result in the child's death, there is a detachment in that that does not bode well for your community. And it does not bode well for you to be functioning within that society and, and impacting people. And there's, you know, there's a, this idea in Judaism that it, he who saves a life has saved the world. Wow. And, and so there would be that motivation for someone to step in and, and help with that child. You, know, you, might, you might put them outside on the road by the gate of your kinsman redeemer. You know, hey, I had this kid. <laughs> Your family, and you can feed them, and I can't, and here you go, you know. So, so it's yeah, but it's but that's very different. So if you if you throw them in the fire, if you tell um, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or is a sorcerer or a charmer, verse eleven, or a medium or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. What's a necromancer? Basically, someone who inquires of the dead. Basically, somebody who who can bring back dead spirits and and manifest dead spirits and stuff. So, um, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as, as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And I do want to point out, this is one of those verses, you know, one of the things that's specific to the Church of the Nazarene doctrine, and it's very compatible with Hebraic understanding as well, is that it is possible to fulfill all the commands of God. Um, otherwise, he could not command you. He could not say, you are to be blameless before me, if it is not possible to be blameless before him. And, and that's the aspect of holiness that I think gives... Th this understanding of scripture, a level of hope that you don't find in a lot of denominations and a lot of studies. I mean, if you're nothing but a sinner saved by grace and thank God for grace because you're filthy still, but God chooses to accept you anyway, then there you cannot, you could not stand blameless before the Lord. You could stand not held accountable before the Lord, but not blameless. But if you can stand blameless before the Lord, then that, that is what infuses your life with the ability to make choices. That empowers you to say, to not only study and know what God says is right, but to say, no, I am going to choose whom to serve this day. I'm going to make this choice in this situation. And it doesn't mean that you will always make the right choice, but that the right choice can be known to you, and you can make it. You know, you, you can always do that. So, and then when you don't, thank God for grace, you know, because we don't always do it. But it is possible. So, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. So these things, we know other people do them. And, and that I want to also say that's one of those things where we have to be so careful. So often the church wants to hold the whole world accountable to our standard. And, and people, you know, want to be mad. Well, the, uh, you know, those people over there, they're doing that. And God says that's a sin. 
But those people don't worship God and they haven't taken on, you know, any type of a system that embraces doing that. And so holding them accountable to that is, is kind of silly because they, it's not, yeah, we're, God knows they're doing those things. It's not a surprise to him. And he says the nations do those things. It's you who do that. And so when we turn that examining finger internally and we go, let's hold each other accountable, let's hold each other, let's live differently and model what that looks like to the world. Because when we aren't living differently and yet we're trying to impose what we believe on the world, that we end up in the situation we have kind of in our society today. It's like they're going, wait, you want me to not do what I'm doing, but you're doing what you're doing. So if I become like you, I could just do what you're doing, right? You know, <laughs> and and you know, no, it's 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 we're supposed to be changing ourselves. So verse fifteen, and this is really, this is a really key passage, and this I I have to make note of this this time because I'm always looking for this passage, and I have a hard time finding because I can't remember the exact words when I go to look. But verse fifteen, and this is Moses talking. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, um, well, I copied that twice, okay, shall die, or that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously, you need not be afraid of him. So this isn't exclusively speaking to Yeshua, mm -hmm. but it would apply there. And this is, one of the, this, is, this is one of the reasons why a lot of Jewish people have a very hard time accepting the idea that, that Yeshua really is, you know, the, the who he, he, some claim him to be, who we claim him to be, because they've been told that he came to teach against Torah, that he came to do away with Torah, that he is, in essence, the man of lawlessness. But when you study what he did, that's not true. He right. Was, he was enforcing it. That's right. what I got from it. Absolutely. When you read his actual words, I, there are so many people that you, that you hear from, it, they, their lives change because they go and actually, they're a lot, that the red-letter Christians. Yeah. That's one of, you know, they go and they actually read what he said and they go, Oh, this is not at all what I was taught. Yeah. This is very different. This is life-changing. Oh, I'm supposed to go and do some very big things. And um, we, there was a, a documentary on homeless people in, I think, Atlanta. And one of the women who ministers with, to them and with them and, and it helps run this, this group, this tent city, um, she doesn't run it. She, like, supports it. And she said she was a boutique lawyer in New York. And... She, you know, she'd been a Christian for years, and then one day she actually decided to read the Gospels. And when she read what Jesus said, she, she said, 
why was I never told this? I can't continue the life I'm leading. She quit her boutique law firm and moved down to Atlanta and devoted her life to serving the homeless. And, and, you know, there's lots and lots of stories out there of people who do that, who go, when I actually read what Jesus said, I went, oh, my life is nowhere like I'm supposed to be leading. And they, they give it up to go, go do incredible things. And, and so if, but if Yeshua is presented as the man of lawlessness, then the Jews should reject him. If he's presented as coming to do away with Torah and is violating Torah, they shouldn't follow him. But that, that's not what he did, yeah, you know. Because I'm like, I want them to read that word for word and tell me where did he say. I, I've talked to Jewish people. I've talked to many Jewish people who say when I, you know, that's why they consider a lot of Jewish people will say that Jesus was a good prophet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they won't embrace anything beyond that because when they read the Gospels, they go, oh, I can get behind this. But then what the church has taught and done with it over the years, especially in relation to the Jewish community, then that's where the breakdown is. And they're like, uh, okay, you know, I can't, I can't make that leap with you. And so, you know, and understandably so. So verse 21, and if you say in your heart, oh, okay, so how will you know it's true? It'll actually happen. Um, so Samuel 3. So last week we read about uh, uh, Phineas, and he had two wives. Yeah, yeah, I know. He had two wives. You know, Hannah was one of them, and uh, the other, the other wife had all these children and used to torment her and say, you know, oh, God's blessed me more, and you know, and and Phineas goes to him and goes to her, and you know, he's so heartbroken. He's like, you know, am I not more to you than ten sons? You know, I love you. You're wonderful, and. And so he gives her a double portion when they go up to the temple every time, and, and she, she, she is very much treated as the favored wife. And then um, Eli the priest is there when she's praying, you know, just crying out to the Lord, but silently, and he looks at her and says, are you drunk? When are you going to stop being drunk and coming to the temple? What do you think you're doing? And she says, no, I, I'm not drunk. I'm crying out to the Lord. I, I want a child. And, and what, she, what she vowed to him was, if, if you give me a son... I will dedicate him to the temple. Mm-hmm. And if you entrust him to me, I will give him back to you. And so when this he... This is the other wife is saying. No, yeah. this, is, yeah, this is Hannah, the this one with no me, children. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I missed that. Yeah, so that she, because she's so tormented that she has no children, she tells God, if you mm-hmm. give me a son, I'll give him I'll back give to him you. Back to yeah. And, yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, she, I think she knew, I mean... If you have a child in that way, yeah, she, she seems to be fine. And so she stayed home. She didn't go up the three times a year to the temple until he was weaned, which would have been about five when he was five. And then she took him up to the temple and she went to Eli and said, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm the woman who you thought was drunk and you said I'd have a son and I did and here he is and I'm giving him back to the Lord and she leaves him with him to serve but in the temple. But she still got to see him. actually a good lesson though because I think... Um, for most people, the reason why they want to have a child is for something to be their own, something that comes from them. But this woman, her understanding was on a higher level than yeah. to have a child for the person. Right. To give him to God instead of yeah, she actually myself. did, yeah. Well, and and the idea, you know, there there is definitely a, a different idea when you look at children as a reward to you, meaning like a prize. Mm-hmm. Like, you did good, here's a child, as opposed to a reward being 
wages for your pay, where something's expected of you, where you're, they're entrusted to you, and you're, you have a job, you have an obligation. And so she was acknowledging, you know, if I have this, if you, if you give me this child, I, I will know that he is from you, and he is for your purposes, and this is going to be, you know, I, I can't have children on my own, so if I get pregnant, it's going to be such a miracle that I'll know he's here for a purpose. And, and, you know, that's, which is so, it is, it's beautiful, and it's, it's very selfless, um, well, it's, it's, yeah, for her to actually do it and not be like, I have a child. Yeah, and then she gets him, you know, for those five years. And, and it does, you know, she doesn't go to the temple for any of that time. She stays home, and she, she loves on that kid, and she prepares him. And, and he had, she had to be preparing him. She had to be teaching him because when he goes, he's, he's very he's helpful. Like, yeah, he's, he's there. And that's also why it wasn't a baby. You know, just because we wean early in our culture doesn't mean that everybody always and everywhere does. And, you know, Eli's going to be like... What am I supposed to do with this baby? You know, so it's, it's definitely a child. Do priestly duties. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, you know. So puts him in a sling and starts, you know, arm on your back. That's right. So, so he serves there in the temple, and three times a year, his mother goes up to visit him. When they go up to the temple, she sees him. So it's not like she never sees him. And every year she takes him a new coat mm-hmm. to wear. And she, she makes has him other coat. children too. Yeah, yeah she goes on to have other when children. He opened her wound. He opened her wound. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and so she literally, yeah, in this sense, you know, when when the command is, and and this may have been what motivated her, but this the command that whatever male opens firstborn male that opens the mother's womb right. is to be given to the Lord. Uh, you know, and obviously when it's a, a human, you, you, the sacrifice is a substitutionary sacrifice, but she literally said, you know, I will give him to you. And she did. And, and so the Lord opened her womb. So, um, we're, we're, you know, here we are and it doesn't say exactly how far along, but we know that the mother, we know the mother's been visiting and stuff. And at some point, um, now the boy, we're in Samuel three. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. So, this, you know, he's working. He's, he's apprenticing with Eli there. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So I think it's interesting to say we just, we were reading about the prophets and how to know if a prophet's true. And I love when God lines that up because I did not plan that. <laughs> um, so verse two, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So Samuel's sleeping in the inner chamber. Yeah, huh? He's laying down in there sleeping. And. Is he supposed to be there? Apparently God's okay with this. That's the holy of holies. And maybe you know, maybe that's an indicator to how to how pure he kept himself because he's sleeping. You know, that's where he is. He's sleeping in there, Um, or at least lying down in there in the temple. So Eli's in his own place, and Samuel's in the holy of holies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So right. Then the Lord called Samuel. And he said, Samuel said, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. 
Wow, he was dedicated. If someone was yeah, out of my if Eli is like, well, turn over. <laughs> 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 I'd have been like, what? Yeah. And, <laughs> and here's his heart. Now he is pro. I would suggest that he was probably around thirteen. Uh huh. That this was probably around the time that that he would be, you know, which means he's been serving in the temple for a while, and you know, it's been eight years at least. Yeah. Yeah, well, at least seven years. Seven, you know, years, from yeah. So, so it this is there's not an indication that this was like the next week, you know, right. and 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 he's if if Eli needs him, he's there. This yeah, is this is his heart, you know. And we know because a lot of it's funny because a lot of people will use this to support like really harsh parenting and demanding what you know the first time obedience and stuff but Eli's sons who he actually raised <laughs> not so much worth anything and we're going to read about that today too not not i mean this this is not a parenting dynamic this is a child whose heart is inclined to the lord this is a child who for the first 5 years of his life was raised by his mother with the purpose of becoming a servant in the temple and and that's what she spoke into him and instilled into him and talked to him about and taught taught him and prepared him so that he hears his name and he immediately runs what do you need what do you need Eli I'm here what what can I do for you um and so he said, here I am, I called you. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. But he's sleeping in a holy home. Yeah. Well, which doesn't, yeah. Wow. Which, which doesn't, yeah, which doesn't mean that he didn't know about yeah. God. It's just he had he not had personally had that, that encounter, that encounter right. with God mm -hmm. up to this point. He was serving in the temple, you know, out of obedience and out of love. And, and he was serving and, and loving Eli. Personal relationship yeah, but he, he hadn't yet had that, that connection. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, which means he hadn't been he hadn't been spoken to as a prophet yet. He didn't have the relationship that we're going to see that he comes to have. Right. So verse eight, and the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, "Here I am, for you called me." Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy, because when it happened the third time, he's like, "Oh, you're not just hearing things. You're not just thinking I'm calling. You're being spoken to, and it's God who's speaking yeah. to you." Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times. So it came and stood, so he was present. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. I don't think I could have went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you I, could just kind of see him. I would have totally been playing possum. Like, is he gonna do it? <laughs> 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 is he gonna call me again? I know that I'm away. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but as a kid, you probably you know what I mean. That's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. If he was fairly unstable, like, yeah, you know, like nine, I could see him nine. totally playing possum. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so the Lord said to Samuel. I can still see Aiden doing that, and he's 12. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to sleep, but I'm because, being told God's that talking point, to me. Right at that point, wouldn't you be kind of anxious? Like, oh, really? God is talking to me? So you want me to say that? Like, yeah. you know, excited. Like, what? what? <laughs> so the, then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Wow. wow. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli 
all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Because, oh, and that was the other thing. Eli's sons were, were serving as the priests, but, but they, they were, were abusing like people. They were going, yeah. like when they would boil, when the meat would be boiled, there was a custom that the priests would come when it was all finished and stick a fork in and whatever meat came out on the <coughs> fork, that was their portion. But they, they started out going to people when they would start boiling it before the meat had actually fallen apart and sticking it in and taking out the whole hunk of meat for themselves. And then it got to the point where they were just going to the, to the people when the animals were being butchered and saying, that's my portion and taking it. And God said, oh, no. <laughs> this is, and, and, and Eli was told by God, you know, you're allowing this to continue. This priesthood is not continuing through your line. And wasn't Eli a big guy? It's like, well, how could he get... I mean, yeah, he was, he was the high priest. He was... Kind of overweight, I think. Um, was that, I don't know. I think you might be thinking of someone else. I have to, I'll have to look. It's not fat, fat Jehoshaphat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about that? That song. So, I just sing a song. That we did the funny. play. Yeah. Was funny. Yep. That's what it was called. Yeah. That, that is funny. Yeah. Yep. Small world. <laughs> so he says, On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. And, and they, they were not worshiping God the way that he commanded. They were thinking they were better than God, that they deserved meat that was reserved for God. They were, in fact, when it said when they were taking it, they were taking it fat and all. And not giving God his portion. So this idea of blaspheming is putting yourself as more important than God. It's putting yourself in, in his place. So therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. Surprise, surprise. That's an awkward conversation. <laughs> so what did he say? Ah. Uh... Yeah, um, how do I how do I say this? Uh, yeah, right. So, but Eli called Samuel and said, "Samuel, my son," and he said, "Here I am." And Eli said, "What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you." And keeping in mind, Samuel knew that he, knew he was, was accountable that. for all yeah. of this. He had a feeling, huh? So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to <laughs> And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So Samuel 4. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now we know the word of Samuel is the word of the Lord. Mm -hmm. If Samuel speaks, God put it on his heart to talk. Right. And and that doesn't necessarily mean. And this is this is where this is where I think a lot of modern people who who have some prophetic or pastoral gifting get very confused. You know, the whole touch not the Lord's anointed thing. This doesn't necessarily mean that everything Samuel said came from the Lord. Mm -hmm. It means that when Samuel spoke for the Lord, he was speaking for the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, the one, the one pastor that, that was talking about something, it was on, it was on that, that TV thing, and, and he says, 
by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and my own common sense, I decided that... <laughs> <laughs> like, if you start thinking that every thought you have is inspired by God, you are at risk for a whole lot of heresy. Because every thought you have is supposed to be taken captive to the Word of God, not to be assumed that it's directly inspired by God. So we know, though, that Samuel, when he speaks for the Lord, when he says something is going to happen, it happens. When he declares something prophetically, it, it comes to be. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up in line against Israel, and, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. I thought you were going to say something, because I had a thought, and I thought you had the same thought. That's fine. I'll tell you later when we're not recording. Okay. <laughs> was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us um, before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. Okay, so they're out to battle, and they're like, The Lord's not in our favor. We need to bring the Ark. You know, maybe they're thinking, We heard all those stories where the Ark went out before them, and they all, Let's go get the Ark out of the temple, where God said to put it. Um, yeah that it may come, uh, come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. So the people went to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. So they basically took God's throne out of the temple. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, oh, it wasn't Phinehas was her son. Phinehas, was the, Phinehas wasn't her, Hannah's husband. Phinehas was Eli's son. I have to look up his name again then. Um, but the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. So, what, what was his name? Elkanah, Elkanah yes. Thank mm -hmm. you. I was mixing up the names from the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I the lost Ark. So, so the people go, we need the Ark. So the, you know, Eli's sons go, oh, I'll go get it. Wow. The what? The two that shouldn't go yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the two who think they're more important than God. They can go get it if they want. What was God going to do to us? I'll go get the. I'll go get it. They obviously did not. We're of the preaching. Yes, clearly they did not see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know they're you know they're they're relatives. You think that story would have been handed down? Yeah. <laughs> so verse five. As soon as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said. What does this great shouting in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the Philistines were afraid, for they said, A god has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for nothing, nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods. There are the gods who, these are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they have been to you. By Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated. And they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for 30,000 foot soldiers of Israel fell. Oh, wow. And the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Mm. Yeah. A man of Benjamin ran from the battle line and came to Shiloh the same day with his clothes torn and with dirt on his head. 
When he arrived, Eli was sitting on his seat by the road watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. So he's there, and his sons come in and take the ark out, and he's like, oh, this is not going to end well. And he goes out and sits on the road waiting, waiting for news. Um, and when the men came into the city and told the news, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the sound of the outcry, he said, what is this uproar? Then the man hurried and came and told Eli. Now Eli was 98 years old. Wow. And his eyes were set so that he could not see. Now what's interesting there is the, the way that that's worded. There's, there's this connection in scripture between um, eyes that are dim being eyes that do not get a lot of light into them versus eyes that are open. Um, a lot of times it's translated in different discussions of it as, as stingy eyes, like the person, and Yeshua talks about it, you know, that, that the eyes are the window to the soul, and he talks about the, the wide open eyes versus the, so, the, you know, when you see somebody who's got those stingy eyes, and they're always looking to see, you know, what they can get from you, what they can take down, the idea is that there is very little light going into them. But somebody who is, is full of light, whose eyes are, are open and, and bright, the light is going into them and they can, you know, they're, they're able to perceive things of the Lord. They're able to, to be loving towards one another. They're not, they're not, it's almost like the eyes closed to hide what's inside, you know, mm -hmm. to, to, to hoard it. And so we have Eli, I mean, yes, he was 98 years old and, and there's vision, but he, you know, in a lot of his history and in the way he raised his children, we see that he didn't have a lot of clear seeing of what God was doing. I mean, his sons not only did not turn out well, but he allowed them to continue to abuse the people. He allowed all of these things to go on, and, and his eyes could not see. Verse 16, and the man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, how did it go, my son? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of God has been captured. Mm -hmm. As soon as he mentioned the Ark of God, Eli fell over backwards from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy. So it was, he was heavy. Mm -hmm. He had judged Israel 40 years. So, so he, you know, even at this point, he didn't stop his sons from taking the ark. He let he them do it. Nothing with them? Oh my god! I know, right? It's like they just ran completely. Yeah. Away. He was a softie, I guess. Well, or scared of them. Yeah. You know, who knows what they were doing? Who knows what dynamic was going on? But he didn't get help, and he didn't hold them accountable, and he didn't do his job. So he didn't become a judge till he was fifty-eight. Mm-hmm. He was done raising those kids by then. And he still got to be a judge. Right. Mm -hmm. And he still let them do what they did. Yeah. You know, he could have come into it and gone, oh, my sons are not suited for this. Mm -hmm. But instead, there they were. So now his, and he would have been, he would have been a priest that whole time, just not the high priest. Right. So, so when he, he was that age when he became the high priest. Oh, so. Yeah, because he was a judge of Israel when he was. The, yeah. Oh, the high priest was the judge? At that point, yeah, okay. with him. So, or the judge, yeah the, high, yeah, the high priest was the judge at that point. But not all the judges were high priests. <laughs> okay. 
It's a square rectangle thing. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> what I was thinking. <laughs> so verse 19, now his daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant about to give birth. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed and gave birth, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women attending her said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer or pay attention. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Wow. So she died right after childbirth and naming her son Ichabod with this horrible, sad declaration. That's very sad. Yeah, that's very, that's very sad. That's why I started doing that, because that's all I could think in my head. Ichabod yeah, well, he's named for that. It's, it's a, yeah, it's it's a it's a reference oh. to that. So yeah, so that's sad. Yeah, really. Oh my, that story is that. Oh, I want to say Yeah, yeah, but they're they're done, and now Samuel's going to move into a different a different place here. And he was of the tribe of Levi, wasn't he? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Eli. Yeah, Eli was. Yeah. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Amen. Amen. So 